Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Now I'd like to introduce um, Ryan, who will be sharing the message with us, and um, Nora will be joining him as well. And uh, before he shares, I just want to say that, you know, um, I, when I first got hired, um, you know, I, I didn't know Ryan until December. And the past two months for me has just been um, just filled with joy as I, you know, started working with Barbara and Ryan and myself that formed the pastoral team. But I've come to know Ryan as someone who has such a listening a heart. Um, he has such a, a, a desire to, to learn and to pay attention to where people are at. Um, he really desires to love each person in the community. And I know that um, God has blessed me through him. And so as we uh, just pay attention to just the words um, that Ryan will share, um, and along with Nora, um, may God just, um, yeah, just speak to us. And may we hold our, our hearts open to the Lord's Spirit. And here's Ryan. Thank you, Pastor Danny. Um, that means a lot coming from you because one of my opening points that I have on my notes is is thanking you and the beauty that it's been to work uh, with you and Barb too. So um, thank you for saying that. That helps me. Um, good morning, LBCF. My name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor. Um, and like Danny mentioned, um, I've held that title now for just over a month. Um, and today, even in the last five minutes, I've um, I've gone from being very, very nervous <laughs> to feeling a great sense of, of power and energy around what we're talking about today. And I don't know if that's because I drink very strong coffee and out of my nervousness, I just downed a lot of it. But um, I actually believe that it's because regardless of how ill-equipped or poorly I've done what we're about to talk about, that God's heart is very much in this. That God's heart is very much a part of what we are about to talk about. And I have confidence in that. I have confidence in what um, I know that he's prepared in my heart to share. Um, just know that I'm coming at this from a learning and a repentance posture of having not gotten this right and having ha had to go again and having loving people in my community. LBCF has been a safe place for me to be able to work out these ways that I have not got this right. And so I, um, I'm so thankful that we have a loving community. So um, welcome. If you're new here, um, what a week to start. I know that from being at Ash Wednesday, uh, there are some people who are in our community for the first week, for the second week. There are people who have found our community um, online. Somehow the word is still getting out there. And it was so nice to see some of you for the first time at Ash Wednesday. We are in the middle of Lent, the season of preparation for um, this reflection on the life and death of Christ and how that invites us into a full baptism. And so I feel like what we're talking about today um, really fits into what we do in Lent. Um, and I wanted to share to start with something that happened with me this week that was very disorienting. 
Um, but it feels like it fits really perfectly in what we're talking about. Um, so when I had found out that I was getting this, um, the offer for this job, um, I posted, um, I posted to Facebook how excited I was for this. And this was months ago. Somebody this past week commented on it and was accusing me or just, it was, it was out of nowhere of ruining his mom and her two kids lives um, based on a car accident where there was a lot of things in there that I wasn't sure where it was all coming from, but I assumed that it was just a troll or that it was that he was trying to talk to someone else. And so I removed that comment and then he commented again and this is all public. I haven't erased any of this, but, um, it come to find out that I was, so in high school, I was in a five car pileup, uh, which was determined afterwards that everybody was 20% at fault. So there was just a, a major pileup, but his mom was the person that was in the car in front of me. So this was 20 years ago. Um, and I had never heard from this person in 20 years. I had I had to call my mom to clarify the details of this because some of the things he was accusing me of, I had no memory of. And that's not to say that they didn't happen. You can ask my wife just because I didn't have memory of it doesn't mean it didn't happen. So I wanted to call my mom and clarify of like, was I in a court case or was there what happened here? And so she helped clarify that the memory that I had of it is, is accurate. But in that back and forth, I lived out the, the ways that I get this wrong in the conversation of race that we're talking about today, um, in a very microcosm way in my interaction with him, because I had to move from my, my desire to lean on the data or the desire to dismiss him, um, I had to move from judgment to curiosity in order to figure out what was really going on. Because I wasn't even curious about the pain he was holding. I assumed that it was just him being crazy. I assumed it was him having a problem. I assumed that he had heard a missed version of this. And so there was a moment where I had to switch. I had to switch from judgment to curiosity. Because I realized about halfway through our interaction that he had hidden pain and hidden pain never heals. And that when pain is revealed and when the person reveals it, they're taking a risk. They're taking a really big risk to reveal the pain that they've experienced. And that can lead to the other person either reflecting on that and being curious about it or deflecting and becoming defensive. And much of my life has been spent (laughs) deflecting. And finding ways of how I can justify or how I can know that that's not about me or my heart is different. And we have such a habit and we'll see it in in our text that we're talking about today and that we'll go through that habit of missing each other in our own defensiveness and refusing to repent and build again and actually move towards each other is a very human thing. It's a very human thing from the very start of of creation, that this desire to defend ourselves and throw other people under the bus and not reflect on the ways that we've gotten it wrong is a very human thing. But that God's hope and what we see of, of the kingdom in Christ 
calls us to something much more beautiful than that. And so my hope today is that um, that this would just be an introductory conversation leading us to many more beautiful things to come and that we would all move ourselves from judgment to curiosity, to asking questions, judgment to carry out from judgment to curiosity, not just about each other, but about yourself, being curious about what views you may hold. And so um, I'm coming at it, like I said, from a seat of repentance, knowing how many times I've gotten this wrong. And so that's why um, I'm leaning on the fact that I really believe God and Jesus' heart in this. And so like Danny said, this is going to be a three-week series on race, um, a very important and beautiful conversation to be having. Um, We're going to be talking about it as an invitation to the kingdom, to beauty, and to truth. And so today is going to be a very uh, wide exploration of texts, but I want to make sure that I get this Uh, first bit out there. So uh, looking at a variety of texts today that show us how God's design is unity, collaboration, celebration, hospitality, and shalom. And we'll see how that was fractured and how in Christ that reality is present. And finally, we will see as we look at at race, how obviously that cycle of broken shalom and pain is evident in our world and unfortunately in the church. And it's call for us to embrace the honesty that moves us to repentance and the love that allows us for the movement back into that beautiful design. And so I want to start us off um, there's a, there's some texts that, that we'll be going through, and these are all ones that I want us to, um, reflect on. And so let's pull up that slide that's got the text in there. So it's the next one. So we're going to start and I'm going to be covering it. it we're going to start in Genesis and end in Revelation. And I have about 10 minutes. So, um, I, I am, so I know that it's a lot, but hang in there with me, take a deep breath, know that this is all being recorded so you can go back and look at it and study these on your own, which is what we should be doing anyways. Um, so I want to read this. So Genesis 1, 27. Can, uh, Chloe, can you make that slide a little bit bigger? So, Because um, I'm going to be reading it off the slide, so if it's too small, I won't be able to read it. Okay, so this first bit is the design and hope. Genesis 1, 27 says, says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we see initially that male and female, that that God's diverse creation is, is at the start. He didn't just create one type of being. He created two. And ultimately, what we see is that God's image is seen in the diversity of his creation coming together. That if his image is diverse in its very nature, that the coming together of that diversity is what shows us that beauty of God's image. That that is a design. That is an initial design and hope of how we would live with each other. Um, It doesn't take long before you see that that fractures pretty quick. Adam and Eve are blaming each other. Um, Cain and Abel, one of the first sins that we record is a brother killing his brother. Jealousy, like there's, it's not long before we see a fracture take place. And then the, the prophets, these people who are able to see and hear and speak God's voice into a 
situation come along and call us out, but call us back into that beauty. So we see here in Ezekiel 16, it says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did abomination before me. So I removed them when I saw it. So quickly, the prophets came in and said, one of the ways that you are living is that you are allowing yourself to retreat into your comfort at the expense of other people. That you retreat into your comforts of food, that you retreat into your comforts of ease, and that there are hurting people that you are not seeing. That goes against the shalom of what it means to come together as a diverse people to show the world God's image. So let's go to the next slide here. So the voice of the prophets and that voice of hope comes in again in Isaiah uh, chapter 49, verse 6. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I love how this one starts. It says, it is too light a thing. As if, yeah, of, of course, if I sent you just to just to rescue one kind of people, that's too light a thing. It's almost saying like, that's weak. <laughs> that anybody can just protect their own, right? It's saying, no, I'm actually going to send you into all the world to gather all nations. So we see this hope extending of what it means to be a diverse people and coming back. But that is the beautiful hope that the prophets call us to. And then we see, ultimately, when you look at the life of Christ over and over again, we see things in like Luke Ortini says, when you invite people to dinner, be very careful about who you invite. Don't invite the people of power. Invite those who have nothing to offer you. And in Matthew 25, they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? When did we see you naked and not clothe you? And he said, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done to me. Jesus is saying that how we treat each other is actually, how we receive each other is how we receive Christ. So the way that we interact with each other and the way that we claim that we love Christ, um, those come hand in hand. Jesus is saying that we have to receive each other well, and that ultimately in God's ultimate reality, Revelation 121 verse 5, it says, Behold, I am making all things new. That this, this hope in the beginning that we would live with a beautiful shalom with each other, that ultimately that that would be the, the hope going forward, that there's a timeline where there's a fracture and the prophets come and speak and whether we listen to them or not uh, shows us how much we are going to be capable of bringing this kingdom to heaven on earth. So, um, Chloe, can you bring up that next slide really quick? I'm going to click through really quick. Excuse me. Sorry. All right. Now, I want to talk about this timeline. So what we just saw, Genesis, we see how it's designed and what 
God's hope is. And we see that that shalom is broken and that people are retreating into their own comforts and not seeing each other, not repenting. The prophets come in and say, repent and turn, right? And if you've been a part of church for a while, repentance is a term that when we use it, um, it's not just a turning around to acknowledge the right way to go. It's turning and going actual movement into what it means to be God's people. And so that shalom is broken. The voice of the prophets come in and, and call us. And then the, the, the uh, ultimate image of what it means to be a, a image bearing human being in Christ comes. And he says, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is a key phrase that we need to remember as we are living in the time right now, we are living in a time frame where the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning there is a reality present to us that we either participate in or we don't. And that that is leading us into all things being made new. So we can go to the next slide now. So that means that we're right here. We're in this beautiful kingdom is, is at hand moment. In moments of shalom being broken, um, people not seeing each other when they're reaching out on Facebook saying, I've held 20 years of hurt. And it taking me a moment to back up and realize what's more important than leaning into my own defensiveness is to see him and respond to his pain. Um, and it's it's really tempting not to. It's really tempting and it's really comforting to lean on people that agree with you, that look like you, that think like you, and not to pay attention to the voice of the prophets that come in and say, hey, that's not how this is supposed to look. You're forgetting people here. You're forgetting him. I was forgetting him. And so I treat that as an opportunity to turn again towards each other knowing that, that that collective coming together is going to show the world God's image better than it is me just being able to describe it well, me being able to use the right words. And so we see here that, that, um, that it is, it's on us to listen to the voice of, of the prophets. It's on us to reflect on these texts and look at where do we find ourselves in them well? How, how do we see when a verse shows up and says, all of these people have ignored the people in pain, but then there is somebody who comes along and does that right? Where do you put yourself in that text? When I read something like the Good Samaritan, Am I the good Samaritan or am I one of the ones who passed by the people hurting? Because scripture is not singular in how it can be applied. There's a lot of opportunities to, to get honest with ourselves and say, oh, I'm actually over here and I, I need scripture to read me. I need scripture to see where I've gotten this wrong, not to live in this state of, of, um, condemnation, but because it's calling us into something more beautiful. And if I don't respond to that, I don't get to respond to that invitation. I don't get to say yes to the invitation to beauty unless I look at what it's calling me out of and into. And so I believe that there are people in our community that have called me out of and into um, painful things and into more beautiful things, prophetic voices in our community. And today I love that I get to bring on a friend. Um, Nora Maligma uh, is, 
Jason Malegmont's wife, uh, who uh, Jason leads our worship if, if you're new here, but I've had the privilege and honor of getting to talk to her about a lot of things, but these prophetic voices in our community are the ones that when we platform them, we are invited into something more beautiful. So um, if this conversation is new to you and you're feeling really uh, jagged right now, I would encourage you, open, allow yourself to enter the place of curiosity. Listen to the prophetic voices of people like her in our community. So I'm going to bring her on. She is going to share, and then we are going to talk a little bit about how her prophetic voice um, breathes some life into me. So I want to give her the floor, and then we'll talk after. You had to say prophetic voice and get me real nervous and sweaty. Now my palms are sweaty and I, oh boy, that was an intro. Hi everyone. I'm Nora Maligmont. If we have not met, um, hey fam, it's really good to be with you all. Um, at the same time, I'm if I'm honest, I'm feeling really vulnerable and nervous. So thanks for um, just allowing me to be present and be myself and and whatever comes out, comes out, okay? Um, before we jump in, I thought it might be helpful to share a little bit about my background for those that um, I haven't spent a lot of time with. So first, I am the daughter of the King of Kings, amen? Um, I say that first. I am also the daughter of an army veteran and an immigrant mother from Korea. I identify uh, racially as being biracial, half Korean, and half white. And um, let's see, Ryan, should I jump into my journey? Or are we are you going to pose another question? No, I would say, yeah, just why don't you share with us sort of in the light of that time frame of, of kind of um, how we see race as being one of the ways that 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 beautiful design is broken. I know that when you've shared with me, um, yeah, just share some of your journey in that, how that's shown up in your life and how kind of that shows up in your life at LBCF too. Yeah. Yeah. So my journey with race kind of started in my youth as, um, and in my young adulthood, as I was trying to form my own identity in the midst of a lot of brokenness in my life, a broken home where my parents split up. Um, I moved a lot being a daughter of a military person. Um, and so I found myself a little lost uh, in the world. And I went through a lot of um, just exploration in my youth. Let's just call it that. And I, I started to come back in this um, journey to seek out God, to seek out who I am, to repent of where I've been, um, and to really get cl as close as I can to the face of God. I was in a period of time in my life where I was really depressed. I didn't know who I was. Um, some of y'all know my testimony. So um, that's a, another three hour conversation. And I started to go to counseling and my counselor wanted me to journal. Nora, you have these things in your mind of who you are. I want you to write down what God says about who you are. So when I did that, verses started popping up. Uh, First, Corinthi First Corinthians, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. John, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Romans. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And I thought, yo, in real life, I was Miss Orange County, Miss Hill Beach, Miss West LA. If y'all didn't know, now you know. Um, I was this princess in real life. But what mattered was that I was this princess in the eyes of God. I'm in his family. And I found this resistance in my spirit saying, that's not true. You are made clean. You're white as snow. You're this. All these things. Where's my tissue? I'm so ill-prepared. All these things that the Bible was saying about who I was. And I found myself rejecting it. It's not true. All this self-hatred, this guilt. Um, and then I'm like, why am I doing that? Part of it is the brokenness. Part of it is, um, yeah, the enemy definitely wants to have me believe these things about me. And part of it, y'all, is we're actually born into this culture. Um, what is also known as like the cycle. Oh, thanks, husband. Look at that. See? Marry up, people. Okay. Um, part of it is like this cycle that you're socialized in. So you're born into things. You're born into your family. Um, and what you're taught on a personal level. So how you develop your identity within your own family is mine was broken. So in, in my family, my identity is like, be good, say the right things, make sure that your family is intact. And then that didn't work. Friendships. And then this formation of identity gets reinforced in schools and churches, institutions, places that you choose to be in. Um, and then what is the result of that. For me, it was this self-hatred, this guilt, um, this silence. And so when I come to LBCF, this is some of what I'm coming with. Um, a lot of healing. I've done a lot of healing. Um, and so when I show up in LBCF, um, I want to make sure that LBCF is an institution that is careful about how are we sending out messages verbally and non-verbally um, through our love, intentionality, how we interact, but also our media, our messages, our events, our timing, our inclusion, um, ways we structure things, our systems, all of that plays into the culture of our church and how we are sending out this message um, that can be intentional and unintentional sometimes about who we say people that walk into our doors are. It's a little bit of background of my journey with this conversation, how I've internalized it um, growing up and how I can show up at LBCF kind of with this vision. All right. So that's perfect because I feel like that leads us right into uh, our interaction and why Nora and I are on the screen together, because I think that sort of to the point of what we're talking about, and I think that you embody this really well, it's that when things don't go well, um, one of the things that I really honor about you is your tenacity and your love and care and grace to go again. And um, 
And I think that the ways that you model that for our people is amazing. And I think that being on the receiving end of that was powerful for me. So why don't you share um, what took place behind the scenes between us and, uh, and what your sort of experience was on that? Yeah. So um, when I show up and I've probably had conversations with multiple people in our church, um, just when I see something and, and I sit and I question, how did that land with me? Or how would that make me feel? Or um, how can I be an ally in this um, situation where I feel like, hmm, this might make people feel like they're not actually included? Um so our example was we had this video that was playing in church and it was some sort of intro video or I forget what kind of video it was. And there were words that would pop up in the screen and along with the words were images attached to it. And when the word poverty would pop up, a picture of a young black boy would show up. And this got me thinking that me, as someone who identifies as an Asian American woman, some of the things I dealt with that I had to kind of reframe my thinking and get rid of, and it was this negative thought was, okay, as an API woman, what I've seen modeled for me in my family, but also in culture is that um, I am valuable for certain experiences um, hypersexualized experiences. Um, AAPI women or Asian American women are not leaders. We're not the head of companies or CEOs. You are good for STEM roles or you are, and there's these things that can be labeled or put on you that you have to actively work against. So when I saw this image, I started asking myself, if I am a young black boy and I constantly see an image of myself or myself represented in this image with the word poverty, how would that make me feel? So I brought it to Ryan's attention of like, hey, could it be that when we say or put up the word poverty, that we could use a different image? Um, and I brought this conversation to Ryan of like, this is why it might be important. Um, and I wanna make sure that LBCF, like we are being really careful and thoughtful about what images were popping up um, and how that could affect people. Yeah. So how did like, what was your experience of, of our interaction? Because I don't think that we had really known each other for that long when you like that, that had to have been sort of like a, I'm going to step out here because we're a lot more comfortable with each other now where I'm like, you could just text me and say like, Hey, you're, you're blowing it. And then like, it would be a lot easier now, but back then we didn't know each other that well. So what was your experience like? Yeah. Like I get really nervous. <laughs> I'm an extrovert and I get a ton of energy from people. Um, and, but it is, it is uh, super vulnerable to share because um, you don't want other people to feel bad um, and you want to make sure that um, other people don't internalize it a certain way. Uh, but I think I just pulled you to the side after church and I was like, hey, Ryan, is there, um, 
you know, and I shared with you, I don't even know, I think I might have posed a question and it was actually, I think it's really important to have the conversation as immediate as it can be to mm-hmm. the situation at hand. So I think I actually pulled you uh, immediately after church. I've probably done this to multiple people. I know I have, there's been the instances and I like to do it immediately. So that mm-hmm. way um, it's relevant, it's in the moment and it's fresh on everyone's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so I don't I don't remember the exact words that I said, um, but I know that it was immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, I what I failed to do was share a little bit about my background, which would probably would have been helpful. Um, but I think I just posed questions of like, could we change the image? Uh, I want to be careful that we're not sending these images or that we're being mindful that this could potentially be hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that one of the ways that I experienced it was that, I mean, it was pretty clear from the start that, that your hope was that these would be conversations that we would be having proactively, right? Like, like, Hey, why don't like what happened here was a lack of being able to imagine yourself as anything other than you are. (laughs) Like, that's how I took it is, is like, there was just not the ability to watch this ahead of time and see how this would be received by other people. And I think that that invitation to sort of that kind of a conversation led us as a, as a team behind the scenes to say like, Hey, we need to be able to like, if we're going to show something in church, we better have touch points that involve people that don't see it the way that we see it. Um, Because I think that for me being somebody who, has a has a lot of growing to do in this in this conversation like those are blind spots where voices and eyes like yours need to be invited into the conversation proactively proactively not retroactively because i think that you have an amazing way of like going again and i think your story has and your personality has led you to hang in there through a lot of people not receiving it that way. And so, um, so yeah, I was just so appreciative of the way that you, you opened it up as a, as a question, like, could we, do you think we could look at these kind of more closely? Like that was helpful for me anyway. And your response, I do remember your response because I was nervous in it. And, but you responded of like, Nora, that it, yeah, I'm totally responsible for that um, and for those that video. And thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. And you were like, I ha- come to this with narrow vision because I'm I only have a certain lived experience and exposure to certain things. We all come. What we can learn from each other is everyone has their own experiences. Everyone has their own exposures, their own lived experiences, right? Um, and they're so different. They're so vast. And so it takes a variety of creativity, mm-hmm. of people, functions. We all have different skills and hearts and um, and vision for different things. And so that's where the beauty of diversity really comes in and why it's important. Yeah. Yeah. And um, as, as I was preparing for today, I was so, I mean, I, I knew this and I know this, but it always strikes me as like, Jesus comes in and he says the higher brought low and the lower brought like in his kingdom, he said that he flips things upside down. And I think what, what we often forget to do is, is we forget to platform those voices that are more, 
quieted. And I think when we do that, we 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 don't just miss this opportunity to all kind of be playing together, but I'm like, your voice is a powerful tool that reminds us of God's reality, not just calls out something stupid that Ryan did, right? Like, because that's that's easy to do. Like that'll happen plenty of times. But I'm I'm like, you have you have something to speak truth to the reality that we read in the in scripture today. Like that's God's hope that you're calling. So you might shy away from the word prophet, but I'm like, that's what a prophetic voice is. So call it what you want, but that's what you did. And so I think that that's, that's really cool. But um, yeah, I, what is it that you would, um, that, that maybe you learned from just our interaction as a community that you would hope for um, more of or less of, or kind of where, how do you think that moves us forward? Because I think that you could speak to that really well. Yeah. Um, I think my whole intention and hope, maybe even expectation of LBCF and for our church, for all of the greater church, um, is really the question of how can we usher in that freedom, that freedom in Christ? What does that look like? Um, and that is not only what we preach on Sunday. It's not only the words that come from our teaching, really cool teaching pastor, Ryan. Um, but how do we usher that in? How can we change what people believe about themselves in their core mm -hmm. to the core of themselves? How can we change that? And it's not, it's going to take more than words that we speak out. It's how do we treat that person? How do we include others um, and make sure that they have an equitable voice or position in our church? How are we forming our culture to not only be dominated by a particular culture, but all cultures? Mm -hmm. um, that is super hard. It's hard to do it. Um, uh, like, I don't know, it authentically, it's like, oh, we want diversity. Let's have an international day. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do it uh, authentically. There's a couple things that I would want us as a church to do or individually to do. Um, the first would be to get ourselves ready. That includes education. It includes paying attention to what feels authentic to you. Um, and for people like me, that also might mean examine what God says about you, but also the lies, um, what some people would call internalized oppression. Um, it's also lies of the enemy. Uh, there's a lot of lies that we have in our mind. Examine those things. So get yourself ready. And then the second would be to reach out, move from yourself to others. So whatever that looks like in whatever position you sit in at LBCF. Um, and then the third would be to build community. For me, that means to also question rules, roles, structure, systems, um, some some traditions, some songs we might sing during a Christmas holiday celebration, or some, I mean, you the, it's examining yeah. all of that because it's how are we building community, but a community not only for a certain demographic of people that feel comfortable making sure our events are not only during certain times, making sure there uh, there's a variety of ways to engage at our church. These are all really important questions. Look at people in positions of power or on staff and how do we make sure that 
um, everyone feels like this is a body of Christ that is for them and also built and set up for them. Mm. Uh, and, and then the last two things would be, if you see something that feels off or, or lands off for you, create change, influence the culture. That's kind of what I do or did with us, with our conversation, what I would like to see in media or video or what we could do differently that might land differently. Um, and the last thing would be to maintain. Um, how do we maintain that type of culture that we're wanting to to have or, or um, that really brings and ushers in that freedom that brings the face of God closer and closer to every person who walks through our doors, mm. um, which can be super, super challenging. Um, yeah, but also vitally important yeah. to wholeness and shalom, right? Like that's yeah. that piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, so I, I think that that's a that's a great word to just end on um, because I I think that there's if if I was gonna add anything, it's that whenever that's brought to like I'm very aware of what I look like bringing to this conversation, right? That 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 I am in a seat of response, listening, learning, and um, whether somebody is brave enough to bring their miss to me immediately, like it's, it's a lot easier to deal with it when, when the pain has only sunk into the soil that much. And, and it's, it's a lot easier to, to sort of look at that quickly, but whether it's that or whether it's somebody who's reaching out 20 years later, and says like, hey, there's been a pain that I felt for 20 years. Um, it's helpful to even be approached with that. But the the amount of working through that will come with saying, hey, this has been festering, right? Like I've never approached you, but this has been happening. That's important too. So I think that whether or not you feel it now or whether you've ever felt it, inviting that voice and then being curious to your voice and allowing yourself to be a learner. I'm, I'm speaking to people that look like me right now, right? Like allowing yourself to be learners in this. And I, and I think that it's so beautiful the way that you are committed to the health of the body and the beauty um, that comes with that. And so I just wanted to take a moment as we close um, that, and unless you have anything to add, I, I just want to call out um, how much I appreciate you. So I'm going to let you say anything else if you want to. And if not, can I just say how uh, much, how awesome you are? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, the only thing is like, I would say some people might listen to this example and say, Oh gosh, okay. That's a really small example. Yeah. Um, I could probably give about 20 more, right? We don't have time for that. Um, this is also not a time to just, let me tell you about all this pain. No, this is a small example of what it could look like. Mm. Or it's like, it could be a small thing, but it could be a big thing to somebody else. Mm. Uh, and I will just share real quickly because I think it could be another example. If you might think, oh, well, that that's small. And all, and a lot of the examples are small. Um, I think the prayer of repentance, it, repentance example could be really quick, but also important. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. staff member. Um, but um, there was a time where we did a prayer of repentance and it was during a time of communion. And there were 
um, breads represented from a variety of different cultures, naan and um, French bread and tortillas. And during that time, we were repenting of things from each culture um, and doing like a I don't know, national cultural time of repentance, of like greater repentance. And when we were going through the list of um, and the um, Black African-American culture and their history of slavery or something like that. And then and the Latino culture for um, for violence and all these things. It was like repenting of all these things. And then it came to the European culture and we repented the empty churches. And mm -hmm. I almost couldn't take communion. I was like, that's it. We're going to repent empty churches mm. for the Europeans in the room. Um, and that was extremely painful um, for me, but uh, like, it just was like such a disconnect. And it's these powerful moments in faith where even for, you know, for me, it's like, being an API woman and never having a pastor that I identified with. I have never in my life had a pastor that was an Asian female. I never had a teacher in my classroom that was an Asian female until college. What that does to you um, and how that forms your identity. And then you add in all these moments in church and in schools and in job interviews and in your workplaces where it's these messages that are nonverbal, sometimes unintentional, well intended. And what it says and, and how you just have to deflect it and sit in. And um, there was a word of prophecy spoken over me one time. And it was like, Nora, you're like a basket and there's all these holes um, there's all these holes and, and where water is just escaping that water. Mm -hmm. and so it's important for you to constantly fill your bucket with living water and truth and all of that. And it's so true. And it has been true for me always, because it's like these holes they're they're all around me. It's in society. It's in my families. It's in my experience, my background, even in our own church within LBCF, there's these leakages that happen in my spirit, in my body, in my joy. And I have to go to God constantly for this living water. Um, and so I don't know, I just felt like I wanted to share that. Um, but mm. that's kind of like what motivates me to show up and what motivates me to ask questions and what motivates me to join conversations at LBCF and keep going and keep trying. Because Lord knows so many of us can just say, you know what, I'm going to go over here where it's a little more comfortable or where people look like me or think like me. That's not what LBCF is about, right? LBCF, we're about hard things, right? We're, we're going to lean in. We want to come together. We want to listen um, and hear about each other's stories. And then we want to go to God and say, what does God have to say about this? So I'm so proud of LBCF to um, want to enter in and to listen um, thanks for inviting me to the table and to the conversation this morning. Um, hopefully I wasn't a hot mess. What I felt internally I was. Um, and on that, I will pass it back to you, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I think that it's such a great example for everybody in this conversation, the kind of loving persistence going again, 
Like whether you've been on the giving end or the receiving end of getting this wrong, going again is something that I really hope embodies what LB's hip is about. And so I think that you are such a symbol of hope in this. And so I'm so grateful to have you as a friend and that we have the ability to have your eyes able to see people's experiences that aren't even yours. Like that's what I want more of. I want more of the ability to have eyes and say like, how is this being received by people that don't look like me? And I think that that fits really well into this this kingdom that we are all saying that we participate in, right? That we are all saying, yeah, we're a part of this kingdom at hand. And I think that when we say yes to that, we say yes to saying, what does this look like for the kinds of people that are being left out? Because the Bible's full of Jesus going after those people, right? And so thank you, Nora. Thank you for being a part of this. Um, I think you're such a treasure to the community. You are a prophetic voice, and I'm hoping that we have a lot more opportunities now to, to carve open space for people who look and think and speak and see Christ the way that you do. Okay. Appreciate you, friend. Appreciate you too. Miss Mary, that word that you gave today, the El Royi, the God who sees you, loves you, chooses you, and that you're a precious child. My previous self would have been like, Mm-mm, no, he don't. He don't see me. He doesn't choose me. No, he doesn't. But he does. And that is the exact message that I would love for LBCF to really send out through our words, through our actions, through our mm-hmm. images, our culture, our structures and systems, et cetera, et cetera. Amen. Awesome. Let's close on that. I'm going to send it now back to Danny Shaniker, who's going to close us in some worship. <laughs>